Welcome back, everybody, to the Social World Podcast. I'm Dave Niven, and as usual, it's a pleasure to have your company. Now, today, I've got an old friend of the program with us and somebody who's been doing some creative and excellent work internationally, Dr. David Jones. Now, David is, oh, he's got so many roles at the moment. He's the global coordinator for the Global Agenda for Social Work. He's had 10 years involvement now with various other global agendas, but the Commonwealth Organization for Social Work he's involved with in his last year. He's also a member of the International Advisory Panel of the Global Institute for Social Work. And he's also the chair of the International Committee in Basel, which is in his last year of office for that. David, welcome to the program. Yeah, great to be here, David. Now, Global Coordinator for the Global Agenda for Social Work, and that does involve coordinating three associations or three bodies. Um, could you just explain a little bit in detail what that is and what that involves? Absolutely. Well, the um, uh, Global Agenda uh, was started planning in around 2006 and was launched at the Hong Kong Conference in 2010 and has run for a decade and I've been involved throughout all of that period. It involves the uh, International Association of Schools of Social Work, the International Council on Social Welfare, and the International Federation of Social Workers, who came together to say that we needed to have a stronger voice for social work and social development. We needed to have a clear basis to boost the self-confidence of social workers around the world, we wanted to see an, an increasing impact of our influence on the global institutions. So in the Hong Kong conference, we had a consultation about what that platform should be. And uh, we then uh, launched it. And over the last decade, we have been running with the global agenda. And it has had, I think, a real impact across um, the world. Uh, it had four themes. Um, the first one was on promoting social and economic equalities. The second was on promoting the dignity and worth of peoples. The third was quite innovative, was around promoting environmental sustainability. And then we expanded mm. that to community and environmental sustainability. And the fourth was strengthening recognition of the importance of human relationships. And throughout all of those um, themes throughout the decade, we had a focus on the working environment and on education and training. So, so just, we've had just, those yeah, themes just running. Just a small agenda. Yeah. Yeah. And we've had a, uh, a theme um, for each, uh, for two years for World Social Work Days. So um, since uh, 2012, we've been running those, those themes, um, one theme for two years, followed by a conference and so on. So we've worked all the way through them and now we've got to the end of the first decade, we've had an evaluation and the second decade is being taken forward. Right. So, I mean, from what you're saying and from how you're saying it, I'm guessing that you think it's been very worthwhile. Well, there are always swings and roundabouts. There are things that have gone well and things that um, we could do better. Um, but first of all, and amazingly, we've actually held to the theme, we've held to the, the whole um, agenda for a whole decade, despite the changes in leadership in the organisations, because having a consistent, straightforward message is so important. Um, so we've had that consistent visibility. 
Um, world Social Work Day has absolutely exploded across the world. Mm. Um, people now know when it's happening. Um, the poster is published and people can adapt it and use it. I think we have around 70 different language translations now um, for the poster. And um, it's strengthened our partnerships. It's been used for submissions to the United Nations. Our conferences have been structured around this. And I think it has boosted the self-confidence of the organisations, but I hope also of social workers that we can see we've got some shared themes, some shared values, some shared commitments, and that these are global and they're recognised by others. And a number of senior people in UN agencies have spoken about the agenda and have welcomed it. And we've had over 100 different publications that have referenced it. So... I think it has shifted our self sense of identity, David, and uh, um, that that's been a significant impact. But there oh, are some problems. Like a powerful well. thing. It sounds like it's been a powerful influence. I mean, tell me this, though, because I mean, I, I've always been interested in this, and from what you say, you've managed to actually find a way to 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 deal with this. Social work in industrialized countries, and social work, in, if you like, in non-industrialized countries, to use a very kind of crude kind of you know um, split has always been slightly different you know with industrialized countries focusing on um, individuals and families and non-industrialized far more on community issues but social work itself at the beginning it did have in my view you know in over the, like maybe 20 30 years ago it did have quite a lot of different meanings for different places depending where you were my understanding is that that's coming together far more in terms of a universal acceptance of what social work is in a sort of generic terms. And what you've just talked about seems to reinforce that. Is that fair? Yes, I think there's a constant debate about um, some of the issues that, that you've touched on there. And clearly, if I visit, as I have done, social workers in Ghana and in Kenya and um, in parts of Malaysia, say, um, I see a very um, community-focused, um, but also individual-focused, but very much focusing on the daily struggles of living. Um, whereas if you look at the UK or the USA, parts of, of Europe, the focus is more on individual and family pathology, if you like. It's don't like using that word particularly. It's more on child protection, risk management, um, improving individual family welfare. But in practice, if we look now at what's happening, even in the advanced world with the growing inequalities that we see, um, food security is an issue for poorer people in the UK in a different way from in Africa, but there's still an issue around food security. There's an issue about air quality, um, the space for, for children to play and um, having access to good environments is important. So, and running through all of that are a set of shared values about the importance of individuals, the importance of communities. So it's those shared values and indeed the shared practice areas um, do clearly show that there's a unifying theme that runs through social work all around the globe. Oh, fair enough, I, I take your point. I mean, for me too, talking to others who are involved, if you like, in the international kind of commentary, uh, the vulnerable uh, obviously mean different things to different people and different communities, but essentially there's an awful lot 
of vulnerability that is shared right across the world, whether it's issues to do with gender or issues to do with children, issues to do with domestic abuse, or whatever. But I mean, as well as that, though, there are, of course, there are huge vulnerabilities that you've touched on that are more of a kind of, um, if you like, global thing, like food security, as you said, or or, 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 or refugee issues and whatever yep. that are more massive, if you see what I mean. And so, I mean, you know, the, the spectrum that social work has to deal with is just enormous, isn't it? It is. And um, th that, I mean, in a sense, that's nothing new. If you go back to the 19th century or even the 18th century, but look at the 19th century, the development of a, if you like, a profession of, of social work in some parts of the industrializing world um, the people then were very involved with all of these themes um, with food with housing with environment with um, with health um, and uh, if we look at the current pandemic we see that actually the way to fight the pandemic is as much about changing the environments in which people are living as it is about changing the drugs that are available to treat it prevention always comes back to social factors and the environment mm. um, one of the one of the most troubling things in the world at the moment is the growing inequality between um, the rich and the poor the growing number of people who uh, are really struggling um, economically in the developed world as well as the developing world struggling in different ways and it's that crisis of growing inequality which is creating such instability in the world and where social work has got something to say. A lot of the, not well, a lot of the, the kind of evolution, if you like, of, of how social work is actually delivered in this country, uh, in, in my view, has, has been to do with how it works with other agencies. And if you like, you're getting far more overt, as I see it, multi-agency work these days in terms, of, um, in terms of planning and in terms of service delivery. Would you say that that's as encouraging a growth area internationally as you've come across, or is it more at the moment within, as you say, some of the industrialized countries? Well, wherever social work is practiced, you have to work with other professions, whether it's medicine, whether it's the law, whether it's criminal justice, um, whether it's housing. Um, and all of those um, uh, are as much true in the developing world as in um, the, the, the developed world, however one draws those, those distinctions. So it is really important. And um, I think social work does have particular perspectives on multi-professional working. Um, ways of working but what's interesting is when you talk to other professionals they often see more clearly than social workers do the distinctive contribution of social work which is often around the border management if you like or the boundary negotiation between professions and looking at how to make things work for um, people individually so this is a, a challenge for social work all around the world we need to get better as social workers at articulating what is that distinctive contribution that we make in multi-professional environments. One of my recent guests on the programme, um, Christopher Lamb, was a previous uh, Australian ambassador to various countries and also sort of uh, headed up the 
uh, Australian delegation at the United Nations. And, and his speciality, if you like, when he worked for the International Red Cross was humanitarian advocacy. And the whole idea of it, we shared several platforms at conferences as well. And, and I remember wondering about the confluence, if you like, about his world and our world. And interestingly enough, the words that actually shared both of our worlds were conflict resolution. Yeah. And I just wondered what your take on that would be, because my particular view is that I can understand very clearly that, that social work can be described as having to deal with the resolution of conflict, whether it's individuals or whether it's communities and all the spectrum in between. But is that too simplistic? Well, uh, certainly conflict resolution is, is, uh, is significant. One of the interesting things um, that uh, I've discovered um, working internationally is how these two worlds of social development or humanitarian advocacy, as you describe it, and social work are actually involved with very similar processes, but have evolved in very separate, separate um, channels, what's the right word, along very separate lines. And as so often happens um, when, when in those sorts of situations, there then becomes quite a significant suspicion between the, the, the two groups. Um, so um, I've been interested in social development and have met people in the social development world talking about safeguarding or advocacy using these words, but they see them in a, a different um, a different light um, and or a different um, con concept. And bringing these two worlds together is really very important, in, particularly in the developing world, because very often social workers are working in social development environments. Um, so there is a lot to be learned from, from each side. But if mm. you look at the crisis, what the safeguarding crisis, the child abuse crisis that, that hit the many of the big development agencies, um, was it four or five years ago? Mm. Um, Oxfam and Save the Children and so on. Um, it really exposed how that sector had not learnt the lessons around safeguarding, which had been painfully learnt in social work. Um, and uh, one of the things I was involved in with DFID, the Department for International Development, um, sadly now moved in and been absorbed into the foreign Commonwealth and Development Office, um, I think it was a dreadful move and it's very sad that that's happened, but um, that's the reality now that um, international development is part of our um, foreign office. Um, but um, with talking with them about um, some of the lessons about safeguarding and they then were applying those lessons about recruitment, about um, the personnel you employ, about checking people's backgrounds and so on. Hmm. Um, so there are similarities between these worlds and they need to work together, but there are also tensions and, and things that we can do to make it um, work more smoothly. Yeah, and you can never, I mean, you know, and another lesson from that, obviously, to echo just a bit of what you're saying is that there's always room for improvement and there's always room for learning and whether it's the major charities internationally that where there some bad apples have been discovered or whether it's even I mean I remember there, there was kind of scandals involving United Nations peacekeepers yeah um, I, I mean you know it, it happens and you know we've got to be far more alert far more aware L let me just move on a little bit to you to to more of your kind of if you like domestic 
if that could domestic international, if we can call it that, in terms of the British Association of Social Workers International mm -hmm. Committee. You've been involved internationally, you know, for quite well a long, long time. Would you say that the awareness within social work in the UK of social work internationally has improved? Uh, or, and if so, at what kind of scale or what, or, and or what's needed to actually make it better? Uh, it's very interesting. If you look at the academic environment, um, UK writing publications, UK academics, have the top flight recognition around the world and of course it's partly a function of the language that we work in. English is now the um, international language. There are others, Spanish and Chinese of course are important but English is, is a really significant language of communication um, but our academics are world-renowned, many of them, um, and uh, on a par with any um, that are there, even though our own government and, and um, sometimes our own um, services are um, critical of them. Um, that's uh, often what happens, that um, the profit is yeah. not recognised in their own town, as it were, but um, that, that internationally, <laughs> our research, our thinking about um, social work is, is definitely widely known. Okay. Um, and if you look at what um, social work practitioners think about it, there's a, a very lively interest in international practice because the UK has the most diverse workforce of any country in, in the world because we have a shortage of social workers, we've been recruiting from all over the world. So in practice, many, many um, social work offices have people who qualified overseas. And there is a lively interest within the social work workforce in learning more. It doesn't go to everybody. Um, and for most people, I'm sure it's a question of get your head down and get your next report written. And that's very understandable. But as a profession, I think we're open. And that's seen in Basler's commitment through the International Development Fund um, to funding um, international partnerships, to funding cooperation. And in COVID, um, we put £30,000 um, into funding international cooperation around promoting the importance of social work in, in the COVID period, which has been a very interesting experience and I think quite successful. Yeah, I, I, I do understand it. It just, it just brought a, an image up in my mind in the sense that I can't argue with you because my experience too has been about the diversity of uh, cultural input to the UK social work community, you know, and also the fact that the UK is a very diverse cultural country anyway now in terms of, I mean, where I used to share safeguarding boards, for example, in Bradford, there was about 120 odd languages spoken, which made for a wonderful, colourful kind of um, 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 environment. However, I'm thinking back to what you say about you take a frontline worker I wonder just, I mean, maybe you can't answer, but you can give an opinion. I mean, I wonder just how many employers actually wake up in the morning and say, mm, I think I'll look to the international community of social work here as to what um, particular initiatives are going on, what projects are going on that would help my social workers do their job better. Yes, I, I think that that is, it varies. Um, it, one of the really big lessons I learned when I was doing inspection and visiting local authorities and agencies was how varied they are 
and there are some parts of the country or some local authorities which are incredibly international and really recognize and respect that and there are others that are totally parochial i think mm. the uk as one of the the big um, sectors or one of the big countries in, if you like in with with social work um when we're developing new policies um doesn't look internationally as much as we might i guess with every child matters of of um, beloved memory um, there was a lot of international experience um there have been international discussions around safeguarding we're aware of some uh, at, a, at a national level um but i think our government could let's put it be a little less arrogant about um what um is uh can be done in our own domestic thinking and could really benefit from thinking more internationally it does it a bit um but we could do so much more and i think we're going to have to because in the crisis that's going to follow the pandemic um the shape of public services is going to have to change to fit a new financial reality and the re that reality is that communities and um, individuals are going to have to take more responsibility um, for uh, for responding to social problems and for promoting social welfare and well-being, and we're seeing that already in social prescribing and some of the um, health prevention methods that are being developed, um, and that means that we need to learn internationally some of what has been done elsewhere. Okay. So we've got a lot to learn from the rest of the world, and Britain isn't in a good place, or Britain's government isn't in a good place to be. Um, modest and to, to recognize where we have to learn from elsewhere um, and really uh, we, we need to engage more with what we can learn from the rest of the world. Okay well on that let's, let's just talk a little bit about an organization you've been involved with for quite a long time I mean the Commonwealth Organization of Social Work for Social Work but uh, I mean I, I remember I was with you in Sri Lanka when, the, Sri Lanka, idea, yeah. when the idea got, got floated um oh how many 300 years ago i thought about that anyway whatever 1994 there you are and effectively so look you've been involved in actual activity in it for quite some time now so do you want to just say a little bit about what it's doing what it feels like how it's growing is it growing etc well um the, the commonwealth organization for social work coswa um, is a, a small sort of organization and it, it, the amount of money we've got in the bank account is just a thousand pounds um, it is basically run by volunteers it has no paid staff the international federation of social workers is the main lead body for social work internationally but coswa does make sure on a modest basis that the voice of social work is heard within the commonwealth and because we're an accredited organization within the commonwealth we have access to the Commonwealth Secretariat and actually during Commonwealth Heads of Government meetings, accredited organisations have access to the heads of government, prime ministers and presidents. Um, and we actually uh, meet with them informally and um, can sit in on some of their meetings. So it gives real um, access um, to, to, to opportunities for influence. Okay. Um, and we have used that. Um, and uh, we also there's a commonwealth um, an independent forum um, of commonwealth organizations um, and we're very um, involved in that network um, we're members of that commonwealth health professions alliance 
Um, we're working closely with the planners and the architects um, on um, sustainable cities and exploring the links between um, the social environment and the physical environment of cities and, and urban environments. There's a major project they've got running on that and um, we're a small part of, of that partnership. So it's through those sorts of partnerships we're able to um, um, to have influence no, 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 it's and just about keeping the voice alive. It does sound influential, absolutely. Well, look, time being what it is, let's move just quickly on because there's another body that both you and I belong to, both of us being on the International Advisory Board for the Global Institute of Social Work. Um, and they're more in terms of um, activity and in terms of availability, more of a, an education, training, if you like, a, a repository of, of work that social workers can access uh, in terms of courses and in terms of um, videos, in terms of actual speeches and so forth that would actually help them in their practice. Is I mean, do you see global um, bodies like this, like whether it's COSWA, whether it's GISW, whether it's the, the other international kind of um, bodies that you've mentioned before, being much more available in future? Well, we've seen through the pandemic the explosion of webinars and um, mm. online activity. Um, and in a way nowadays, um, if you're doing something online, um, it is by definition international, whether you've got it um, focused on, on one country or all countries. Um, so that is changing the way everybody is thinking. COSWA has had um, six webinars um, based in Chennai or organized from Chennai, but they've involved all the Commonwealth groups. And uh, the Global Institute is uh, another a really valuable opportunity for disseminating knowledge and shared values. Tiong Tan, who's the, the, um, the head of, of that institute, um, was one of the early uh, vice, uh, chairs of COSWA, has been involved in IFSW, is currently um, the treasurer of the International Association of Schools of Social Work. So mm. um, these groups overlap in different ways, but um, they're all important in making sh available knowledge and influence and um, building a coherent social work profession but also debating the issues that are important to us. I just want to give, I mean, uh, thanks, yes. I mean, because all I'm trying to do is, and you've, you've helped considerably here, I just want to give our listeners the opportunity to have a look. You know, that, that's, yeah. uh, I mean, you know, like there's so much out there that might just give you some stimulus in terms of your own practice or in terms of your own research or just in terms of um, feeling like more of a family for the half a million social workers that there are worldwide. Exactly. And I know it's so difficult when you've got your head down battling with deadlines and court reports and assessment reports and, and individual crises. Um, it's very difficult sometimes to look beyond that at what the profession is doing and I want to be realistic I think for many people that just absorbs so much energy and the next call on energy must be your own family mm. and your, your own situation but speaking for myself I've found in my professional life from the very beginning when I qualified in 1974 and over 40 years or more I've been doing this that 
taking a bit of space to be part of that wider family, to look at what's going on around, to be energized by some of the thinking and, and contacts that you can get internationally is worth it. And it does help um, the day job and it does help you to feel um, more resourceful, to feel less pressured. And it's ironic, but finding space to do that helps you to keep grounded and to deliver on the rest of it. So yeah, I agree with you, mm. Dave. Um, let's uh, keep our eyes open and keep open to what's going on and to, to keep our breadth of vision. And that helps us to avoid burnout. Couldn't agree more. Okay, David, one final sort of thought for you before we sum up. I mean, you, you mentioned there anyway that the, the pandemic, one of its kind of byproducts has been the growth of kind of communication digitally. Um, but that is the way that the world is going anyway, uh, as, as far as most, most kind of people say. It will also impact and has impacted already on the delivery of social work and how we actually organize and share and deliver services. What thoughts have you got about that? Do you, do you actually see a sea change coming? Well, it's clear that things are changing. I think it's clear that things won't go back to how they were before the pandemic. And what's striking through Cosware and seminars and also through IFSW is that the same pressures have impacted um, wherever you work, uh, whether I was talking with people in Barbados recently, talking with Kenya, um, talking with Singapore, if I'm talking to GPs here in Northampton, um, all, all, all triage appointments are now online. Um, the first mm. contact with your GP is almost certainly going to be on the phone or online. Um, and um, it's only those who really need to have a face-to-face -face appointment that get to see them. So there are a number of issues that, that come out of all of that. Of course, there's also been the digital visiting and all sorts of paradoxes have happened. Like um, some parents, service users have said they really enjoyed the online case conferences because they could see the social workers, children rushing in and being disruptive and they could see that they were really <laughs> people, you know? Um, so there, there's that sort of paradox. But I, I think there's also an issue of skills. How do you actually handle uh, a phone interview? And I've been on the end of GP phone interviews in my own private life and have seen how the skills can make things work differently. So there is a skill to it, which we, we've got to learn. And then when I was, we were talking about the IFSW conference, we had 20,000 people apparently logging in to the International Federation of Social Workers online conference, an astonishing um, event some of it was live most of it was pre-recorded all of it is online is available for people to log into um, but what did you miss through not being together clearly you you've had lots of diversity you've had lots of opportunities for many more people to be involved but what about the personal contacts the casual chats that you have over a coffee um, the the and the personal negotiations that can happen when you're um, um, together and is it just me in my age thinking well those personal face-to-face -face contacts are really important but will the new generation find other ways of handling those and um, do we ever need to meet again or can it all be meeting 
um, uh, mm. online? And I think that's an open question, and we've got to see how people um, cope with it. But certainly, it's changing practice, it's changing the way we relate to each other, and we're not going to go back. But how we make it work, I think, is something we've still got to reflect on and keep talking about. Well, thanks, David. It's really been a pleasure listening to you today, and thanks very much for joining us. And just for the sake of, of, of the next uh, interview that I'm delighted to, to, to tell you about and is coming up on the next podcast, is going to be with, I'm hoping, the chair of um, a partnership board in the north of England who um, was used to be Safeguarding Children Board, who effectively can talk to us about how everything that David's just outlined has been dealt with domestically during the pandemic in terms of communication, in terms of skills, and in terms of actually being able to safeguard the children that they're there to safeguard in a sort of multi-agency way, how the board functioned, if you like, during the pandemic. And so I'm really looking forward to hear the experiences and, uh, if you like, the lessons learned during that. But for now, David Jones, it's been a pleasure. And thank you very much indeed for joining us on the Social World podcast. Thanks, Dave. I've enjoyed it. Thank you.